In this episode, I head out into space to chat with Mike about pre-made adventures for M-Space, and I talk about all things Christmas. Welcome to the Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 31, New Adventures Beyond the Final Frontier. Welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, Inwills, and welcome to December. First of all, if you are listening from America, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. December always seems to be that month for celebrations. We have Christmas, New Year, And of course, my birthday. Wahoo! Another birthday. Seems like it was only yesterday that I was celebrating being 40. The possible downside of having all these holidays is that they can interrupt our normal schedule of gaming. As part of my ever-growing Twitch channel, I try to achieve what I call Stream Every Day in December or Streamus. I grabbed the idea from YouTubers that blog every day in December, but because generally my life is just work and very little of anything else, then I decided to stream instead. I even used my limited musical talent and created a multi-track song to accompany the challenge. Okay, allow me a small amount of self-promotion. Here it is. I'll be streaming, I'll be streaming, I'll be streaming each day. I'll be streaming every day in December all the way. Hashtag. I'll be streaming, I'll be streaming, I'll be streaming each day. I'll be streaming every day in December all the December, all the December, all the way. Hashtag stream underscore M-A-S. Stream us. I have, in the past, actually played seasonal-themed adventures over Christmas instead of our usual gaming sessions. I have to say that my favourite one was based on the rule set Car Wars. I'm not sure if anyone else remembers the game, but in the seasonal version of it, you were armed with Santa sleighs and had to try to take out the competition while flying through the skies. With your ammunition being restricted to snowballs and presents, it was a non-lethal battle, but that didn't stop everyone taking it very seriously. Have you ever run or participated in a seasonal adventure? If you have, then do let me know on the Tapper Talk forums or in the Discord channel. I really would like to hear all about them. And talking about forums and Discord channel, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews or just chats with people. 
So if you are interested, then email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent and on the Discord. If you follow my content on YouTube, you will be aware that we are playing two adventures in Mithras, the fantasy setting, and then two in M-Space, the science fiction setting. We have been enjoying the new sci-fi setting a lot and character development is going really well. However, whenever you start a new campaign or rule set, there is that difficulty of deciding where to start. This is when pre-made adventures can be so beneficial and when Mike asked to come along and chat about his pre-made adventure elevation, I quickly donned my spacesuit, headed down to the nearest airlock and space hopped over to his ship to hear all about the adventure and how it could be integrated into a new or existing campaign. So as the airlock closes... I welcome Mike back to the podcast. My name is Mike Laramore. I'm a freelance writer. Uh, I've written Destin, but I also have written Elevation for M-Space. Fantastic. And we're all looking forward to Destin coming out. I have to say that right at the um, beginning. But yeah, so you've written Elevation. So what is Elevation? That would be a good place. Uh, one is a very, very, very long-running series of characters um, that's kind of evolved into several campaigns throughout my 30-plus years of role-playing games. Um, actually, my very first character in Traveler, the original publication of Traveler, was Marcus Arthur, who's one of the main characters yeah. in this book. Um, and over the years, it's kind of evolved to take in different steps along the way. So this is kind of the most recent version. Um, the idea behind it was, you know, in many science fiction, TV shows, movies, um, books, there's always the benevolent space organization that is, you know, they, they always have the great fleets of, of ships and they have all the resources in the world and, you know, this limitless source of money. And my idea was, what if you had something like the Federation from Star Trek, but they were broke? You know, things nice. didn't quite work out as planned. The funding didn't come through. And, you know, not to be too dystopian or negative, but if we think about it in terms of a real world situation, in many cases, you know, these benevolent organizations aren't going to be as well funded as massive corporations and yeah. large entities like that. So that was kind of the idea behind it was, you know, the idea of this benevolent space organization that has kind of fallen on hard times and the characters are members of it who are trying to elevate it, as it were, you know, back to its former glory days. And hence elevation. Then. Yes. So the the adventure, I think it's called um, is it the first contact bit, isn't it? It's elevation first contact. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, yeah, go for it. Oh, I was going to say that the whole premise of the organization Elevation was there was this great explorer and space hero, and he had found a sentient um, species, uh, a previously undiscovered species. And the way that the galaxy works is the um, most powerful 
species called the Rajolans, who are merchants and they have been out in space for quite some time, established a series of laws that whenever you found a sentient species, if they were at a certain progress level, that they the Rajolans felt they could join the galactic community. Nice. Whoever made first contact would also get rights for trade. They would get a percentage of profits as they started to enter into the galactic community for a period of years. So there was kind of a business aspect of it that finding a new species was actually very lucrative. So that's kind of where Elevation came in is that a lot of corporations and other entities would come in, find a civilization and exploit it. So they were the benevolent, peaceful, you know, we're going to come in and do it the right way. We're going to come in and gradually introduce them and treat them fairly and help them to become part of this larger community and not take advantage of them. I, (laughs) I, I was just thinking about our own M space campaign and we have the, it's called, um, core, which is the, the main sort of like company um mm. corporation of research and exploration but i really like the idea that i i wish <laughs> i wish i'd had your idea and so like made it as if they was you know fallen on hard times that sounds a really interesting um story dynamic that could actually produce some really interesting content so the book's for m space isn't it that's correct yes correct yeah. And how how adaptable do you think it would be for um, other people to use for other systems? Could it easily be adapted or not? I think it could be. I, I think primarily my goal was to just introduce the setting, introduce some of the characters, introduce the ideas and the concepts. Um, and I think it, it is very easily adapted. I think there is a, a, um, a guideline to adapt things from M-Space to Traveler, for example. Right. Um, I've actually talked to Clarence about that, you know, about possibly doing, you know, a version or do conversion notes for the games, you know, that we could do, um, that's something we discussed. And, and I think anything, like, I think any type of setting book, you could, if, you know, with a little elbow grease and a little work, you can take it and it really bring it to any system that you want. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's, I think what the goal was here too, is just, you know, this is, like I said, a long standing setting that, you know, I've had a lot of players over the years that enjoyed, and I thought it'd be nice to put it out into the world. And Clarence was nice enough to let me do that. Fantastic. And let's, let's focus on the actual, the book, the PDF and what, what do you, what's in there for anybody who's thinking, oh, you know, what, what do I get? Um, what's actually in the book? Um, the book, most of the first half of the book is just detailing the setting, um, yeah. talking about the organization, talking about its history, talking about its current status. But also we have some side notes and things in there to talk about playing in different eras of it. Um, I have an idea that, you know, I've had an idea that what if people wanted to play in the heyday? Because when yeah. the organization started, they were well-funded. They had a fleet of ships. They had all the things they needed. They had the best technology. And what if you want to play in that era? You want to play something similar to a Star Trek type of campaign yeah. where you're going out and exploring the galaxy and you have lots of resources. Or you play the standard campaign where you're kind of scraping by with whatever technology is left. A lot of their equipment is outdated. Uh, their personnel is minimal at this point. They've tried to hold on to whatever resources they still could. Um, 
<clears throat> while the resources and monies are kind of dwindling away. So you're really kind of scraping together um, to kind of keep things going. So we talk about what kind of equipment is available. We give some examples and some new weapons, new armor, new standard equipment, a couple of new ships and vehicles, just to kind of set the, the setting, you know, yeah. so you know what the story is about. Uh, we talk about the main species that are in the galaxy, the ones that are, you know, have been discovered, the ones that are kind of the movers and the shakers. Uh, we have the circles, the organizations of the galaxy, the main groups the characters might encounter, might come into contact with or, yeah. or fight against, um, and just kind of give you all the details that you need if you're interested in the setting to take it whole cloth and just whatever, or just pick and choose what you like out of it mm -hmm. and put it into play. Um, then there's three adventures in there. They kind of form a mini campaign talking yeah. about, you know, kind of what we talked about, that it's an exploration based setting. So it's, you know, the trials and tribulations of finding a potential planet that could have a sentient species that could actually be a turning point for the organization trying to do what you need to do. Um, there's oddly enough, a bureaucratic challenge, uh, something I never thought I would write. Um, <laughs> basically a very tense paperwork scene, um, trying to make that into something that's entertaining was a challenge. So hopefully it yeah. worked out. And eventually, you know, coming, if everything works out as planned, getting to the point where you reach the species and have to negotiate and try to make contact with them. Hence why it's elevation first contact. Yeah. Um, and it, there also is a free adventure, um, which is available if you're just interested in the setting. It kind of delves into a little bit. Um, the Triton Incident, which technically uh, ties into the other three adventures that are in the main book. Um, then my, my things that I wanted to add is there's a kind of a bestiary in there yeah. of just some, some, a few that are specific to the setting, but most of them, I try to make them generic so they could be adapted to any M space game. Yeah. And my personal favorite thing, the random adventure generator table. I love a random adventure <laughs> generator yeah. table because I know probably like a lot of game masters, some days you have it all planned out. You have exactly what you want to do in mind. And there are other days where you've had a long week of work or there's a lot going on in your personal life or you didn't get a chance to sit down that week because uh, there's a really good video game or something new on Netflix you've been watching. And you're like, oh, wow, it's gaming night. I need to come up with an idea. So, yeah. And I I was going to talk about this because I, uh, in the book, they're called Scenario hooks i think and there, yep. there's actually 50 of them i'm right aren't yes that was a that was a challenge trying to come up with yeah. 50 adventures but and it, it's interesting because when i used to play traveler there was a little booklet that was very similar to this that had a whole load of hooks and i really like these hooks and i think it's what you were saying there if I didn't manage to get the adventure done or um, something else was going on. They're really nice and concise. And I like the way there's like a statement, but mm. then there's a question um, yeah. after it. And so did you think of all of these, all 50? I would like to <laughs> take credit for 
probably most of them. Um, I did ask my friends in my gaming group for some some suggestions along the way because <clears throat> it just really, you know, you 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 come week to week, and I, I think like all of us, you know, that we come up with our adventures and things like that, and and I I'm sure I recycle things at times, but coming up with fifty original ideas was definitely challenging. So I, I think there's probably I maybe came up with thirty of them. I could say that's at still least. good. <laughs> yeah. So, and then my friends were were generous enough to contribute some ideas and some suggestions and things that made it in. Um, I think not to go back to Destin, but I think you know the background tables that we have in all the Mithras books. You know, yeah. that one of the requests that Laws had made during that one was you know we have the origins in that. And each one of those is 50. So we had to come up with 50 for like 10 different origins. Yeah. So like 500 different background events. Wow. So, yeah. So <laughs> this one, this one was very fun to do that. What I could say that it's, it's, a, it was a challenge for some of the stuff at Destiny, yeah. but this one was, and just even going back sometimes to adventures I had run in the previous campaigns for the, you know, what became elevation um coming up with some new ideas yeah it's it's it's, i think it's a fun thing to do and and i i think it's a really good resource because they're very succinct but actually stimulate your thoughts as a gm and you can immediately think oh yes you know this could be this it could be lead to that i like the one that um ends up saying why is the robot so cheap (laughs) yeah and i really like that idea you know because it's almost like high end yeah but why um you mentioned beforehand about the circles um so they're a bit like the orders in mithras is that right and they're sort of like corporations Hmm. yes they are um i know that's i think that's the term that clarence always uses in m space for them and yeah they they were kind of fun world building exercises, um, trying to come up with the different players, and even in there, you know, there's suggestions in the sidebars about okay, if you don't want to work for Elevation, what happens if you work for Crayson Industries, which is another major yeah. corporation that, as of yet, has not had a major presence in Galactic Affairs, but the management wants to. So yes. you would be the ones trying to go out and establish them as a player outside yeah. of Earth. Um, the it, Pirate Confederacy, you know, we're, do you want to be a pirate? Yeah. Either good or bad, you know, like a privateer or you want to be a full on buccaneer going out and raiding ships and tossing people out the airlock, you know, whatever you want to do. Right. Very much. And uh, you mentioned it just then. I love the alternate timelines that come with each one of those circles. That, again, is a, a great wealth of uh, possible ideas, you know, for for campaigns or one off um, adventures. You, you mentioned the aliens. How fun was it to make up aliens? For I, <laughs> that, that to me is also one of the most fun things, because. I mean, a lot of the aliens that are in there are based on alien species that we've used in the, pri- the private campaigns over the years. But 
I wanted to change them. Um, <clears throat> I kind of fell into the trap that a lot of, you know, science fiction TV shows and things fall into where they're all basically humans with bumpy foreheads or different yeah. skin colors or, <clears throat> and, and they just kind of all were very human centric. And yeah. I thought it would be more fun to try to change that around a little bit this time. Um, a lot of that came from um, Dan and Jerome, my artists who I work with for this. Yeah. Um, I kind of let them go wild. And, you know, even that was some of the, of the guidelines I said is I don't know what I want them to look like. I just don't want them yeah. to look human. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think of like the ARC one which are kind of pacifistic psionic aliens yeah and i had no idea what i wanted them to look like but you know jerome i think did that one and and he came up with these kind of almost insectoid you know aliens that look completely non-human yeah uh, and, and i think so. that's part of the fun is that you know when you're going out exploring the galaxy not everything's gonna have you know two legs two arms and a general humanoid figure and yeah. you know how do you deal with that how do you play that alien you know in terms of kind of coming up with their psychology and you know how they interact with other species and you know i think the alien creation stuff that clarence has in m space is fantastic and it's mm. you know one of the a great resource you know when you're creating your own setting or you know for this specifically and, and this was part of what him and i had discussed when we talked about the book was that would be a very essential tool when you're doing very this is so. if you're going out in the galaxy trying to find a new species as a game master you can use that to come up with one or you know kind of spur some ideas if you don't really know what you're you want or you maybe have a, a vague idea using that and his system generators and all the different things in the main book to populate the galaxy you know so that you can continue the campaign indefinitely and I, and I think the the tables um, in M space for aliens, I really like them because it, it's a bit like what you were saying beforehand. Otherwise, I have this picture, this image, and all the aliens come out the same. But yeah. the the tables really allow you to challenge your creation almost to sort of think, oh, this is good, that's different. And I yeah. think. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think they even have dis disadvantages um, yes. for for them as well, which is really good. What um, in um, elevation? There's uh, an attribute to the aliens called strangeness. Yes. What, what's that about? It's basically I think about how different they are from a base humanity. I think that yeah. was kind of the, the idea behind it. it. Was the idea that you know, um, the Erusians, which are kind of almost canine-like, but they're basically humanoid, you know? So when you're going out and you're encountering them as a human, which by the way, that, that they were one, I, I just like the idea that they're a culture that was introduced to technology and media and just got lost in it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of, you know, even in the book, we talk about that being a cautionary tale that, you know, think think of it for all, for all of us too. Uh, you know give yourself a couple of video game systems and a big tv and you know a, a nice high-end computer and how easy it is to get lost into virtual yeah. worlds and, and they're the kind of the lesson in that but um you know so there's a couple species in there which are more humanoid 
So it or the Rajolans, which are basically the gray aliens, you know, that, yeah. that you hear of so much in terms of, you know, our, our classic image of an alien. But then you have something like the Qatar, which are very alien and very menacing and don't think like humans and don't act like humans and are very antagonistic. Yes. You know, and and how do you deal with them? You know, it's yeah, it, it, I, I think I really have a good feel of all the aliens and how they've developed and how they would interact with explorers. And I think that's a reflection of how much thought has gone into them um, to make them, for want of a better word, realistic um, and allowing the characters to um, interact with them and, and engage in them. So there's three scenarios, I think. Is that right? Yes. yes. Three in the main book. Yeah. So what's what's the general feel of those scenarios? Are they a combat orientated or conflict? Tell us about those. Um, I really strived to make them adaptable to whatever the group is. Um, yeah. I feel like to me, you know, I, I think growing up in the hobby, you know, a lot of us are used to, you know, the classic modules, you know, growing up in Dungeons and Dragons, you know, I, yeah. I can think of pretty much every early module that we played, you know, it, it's pretty much go into this room, kill this, take its stuff yeah. <laughs> go into the next room, maybe avoid a trap, avoid this, kill its stuff. Um, and I didn't really want that for this. You know, there is combat if you choose. Uh, yeah. But there are also ways to get around that. Uh, there's a lot of exploration. Um, there's some you know, detective work that you need to do in some cases. Uh, there's one, the second scenario where, you know, it's the one I talked about where you have a, you know, the battle of bureaucracy. Yeah. Where you're dealing with a, you know, alien cultures. Um, Byzantine labyrinth of yeah. uh of various, you know, systems and paperwork and things. But part of that is also that you, you know, have to get your ship back because something has happened to it and there you need a part for it. And the part is in the hands of a corrupt pawn shop owner, basically. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you need to, the only way to get the part is to have funding for, the, you know, to pay him. Yeah. And how you go about doing that is entirely up to the group. And that was kind of intentional was the idea that you could just go and try to take the part by force. You could try to, you know, <clears throat> earn it by legitimate means by you know going to work. Um, and, it, and it plays into the idea that your organization does not have a lot of funding, so they can't exactly wire you the money for it. Yeah. Or, you know, the other part of the scenario is the the pawn shop owner the broker offers to let you you know basically get the part if you help him with three different jobs yeah. you know or a series of different jobs that he offers you and each one of those is, is different you know there's a heist you know there's a more of a combat encounter where you're shaking down a rival so you know you have a choice how you're going to do it and you could even mix and match, you know, you could go out and work at the docks for a couple of days to earn some money, but you could also do some of the pawn shop owners jobs for him. So. Fantastic. 
And yeah. of course, M Space has the um, well, I say fantastic because I adore it. Um, the conflict pool system that really works really works well with um, social interactions or interactions of any description. And yes. I, th I think I'm right in that. Um, I'm just trying to flip through my copy of my book. I think they're in there, aren't they? The examples yes. of those extended <laughs> conflicts. I, I think that to me was one of my favorite parts, you know, and yeah. I've, I've said that Clarence many times. I think that was one of the greatest contributions he made to Mithras, you know, is his conflict rules and his conflict extended conflicts. Um, yeah. So I really tried to have a lot of fun with that. And, you know, so there's quite a few of them in each scenario. Um, and, and it's a great way to, you know, build tension, but also keep things simple. You know, yeah. it, it, it's easy to, you know, for example, if you're running a heist, you know, it's very easy to have one bad roll destroy the yep. whole thing. You know, we can all think of times in adventures when, or we need to sneak past the guards and everybody except that one player makes yeah. stealth <laughs> checks and that, that one failed role pretty much messes it up for everybody. Yeah. And I really think the extended conflicts, you know, not only is it a way of dealing with that in a nice, clean, abstract way, that yes. still maintains tension, but also gives each player an opportunity to contribute. You know, Very if you, so. and I, I tried to put that in there too. So if you're trying to break into somewhere, you know, the character who's the tech wizard, who is not going to be good at sneaking into the building, you know, they can still contribute to the overall conflict. Mm -hmm. The person who is the combat person, you know, can go and, you know, knock out a guard and still contribute to the conflict. You know, it's yeah. a way of, having everybody deal with the scenario in their in the best way they can yeah and i i love the conflict um, the extended conflict and the conflict pools and everything like that and i i really like how it develops away from what might have been um solved before by a single role and yes. and we use it say for example trying to break a computer um code um, when they don't have the password that was something that the computer expert could do and work with and work with someone else and it yeah. really a single role would not have added as much to to that cracking of that code but when yeah. it's an ongoing thing and there's the time element as well i think that if this takes an hour or a round or a second yeah. And you might only have so many roles to do it, or you might yeah. have, you know, other complications or, you know, one approach might be um, a higher difficulty, but yeah. you might find a different approach that isn't, you know, that, that is a better way of, of dealing with it. But you still have the option of doing those other roles. And I like that even in the main book, he, he even says you could do com combat that way. Yes. Instead of going round to round, you could simply resolve a conflict with these or combat with these as well, you know, yeah. and that you have that option. And, and like you said, <clears throat> it adds tension, you know, but also it, it doesn't become something where, you know, I, I think of the classic example of, you know, early editions of Shadowrun, where if you had somebody yeah. hacking into a system and they could spend the whole night just yes. going through a system yeah. and, the, you know, your, your street samurai who is a combat monster has to stand around and do nothing while, you know, your hackers going into the system for like so. an hour, you know, doing, dealing with that. And, and it, it's a clean, 
easy, you know, it doesn't take up the whole night to do one extended conflict. You know, it's something that can be done, you know, very simply, very elegantly, and still have a lot of tension attached to it, which is, you know, makes it each role count. Yeah. Yeah. As a, a GM and a, a playing group, we're still very new to the M space campaign. Do you think elevation would be a, a good starting point for people who are wanting to get into M space and fly through the stars? I think so. That was my intention was to yeah. make it something where it's a setting that we have details, you know, we have specifics about characters and organizations but to me you know personally you know i i like a world book that's still a toolkit yes i like something that i can pick and choose from you know i can take what i want and and that was my goal in writing this as well is that it's supposed to be a setting that is ultimately your setting you know if you want to use elevation and you want to use it as written, that's fine. If you want to take it in a different direction, put in your own characters, put in your own ideas, change the ships around, you know, yeah. whatever you want to do, you know, that's your option. You you want to use the, you know, guitars, the bad guys, that's fine. You want to focus on them or you want to introduce a whole new species or you want to make, you know, the Rajolans instead of their kind of neutral merchants, they are conquerors. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things where I, I want it to be something that people can come in and you can play the scenarios as written. You know, if you're just starting, it's a, I think it's a good way to do that. Um, like I said, you know, you could even have the introductory adventure that we have for free uh, yeah. that can be adapted to anything. That's a little murder mystery on a space station. Um, but yeah, that, that was the goal was is something that you, you could take a setting and you know, the premise is, is very basic and very true to a lot of science fiction is exploration. Yeah. You know, the galaxy is huge. It's vast. And even, you know, the advanced species that have spent a lot of time out in it still have explored uh, the tiniest fraction of it. So there's so much more out there. And, it, and it's why we watch shows like Star Trek. It's why yeah. we, they persist to today is that it's the idea of the unknown. You know, the, the same thing like our ancestors did when they struck across the ocean, not yep. knowing what was on the other side. And I, well, I've, I've read it and um, Elevation, and I agree with you. It's there's so many it's it's not prescriptive about how to do things or what to do. It has that freedom for both GMs to adapt it, but perhaps more importantly, those options that different players with different playing styles mm -hmm. could approach everything completely differently. But as a GM, you still got all that as at your fingertips from the book. Thank you. That, that, that's what my intention was. It's just, yeah. to, you know, cause not everybody wants to play the same, you know, not everybody, some people want to load up on plasma rifles and go out and blast everything in sight. And some people are more interested in the politics and the interactions. Yeah. And both of those work just fine with this. I, I'm assuming at this point that you have GM'd the adventures. I have, yes. Yeah. And did they go well? Yeah, they did, actually. Um, I, I think that to me is also the most fun part about GMing is that, you know, 
when you have something written on page and like i said i tried to make it so the adventures you know are not a railroad you yeah. know where you you have a single track and that's the only you know way you can go in it but my players always <laughs> manage to find ways to go completely <laughs> off the rails no matter what you know my intentions are or plans are um and that was the case when we ran them too is you know it's something where to me that's the most fun about it is that yeah. i like a scenario and, and and why personally you know i i don't use a lot of published adventures is because i like the free form i, I like you know yeah. something where you give me a guideline you know you give me some ideas and some characters and some locations and then let us go wild and let I, us do exactly where they go so I, and i think that's um from coming from um a Dungeon Dragons background when everything was very linear yeah. um, that I felt and moving to um, Mithras and M space as well. I feel that my, my own adventure design has changed dramatically because yeah. both systems allow for such variation of actions and approaches that you can't write a very set, structure for a scenario anymore with the rule sets because yeah. players just you know they they have that capacity to do what they want and the world accommodates that very much so i agree you know and that that's, yeah. that's i think where it's the most fun is is where you as a game master can sit back and let them just explore the world yeah you know and that that to me with this too is you know, I, I think the simplest adventure in this would be, you know, pick a star and let's yes. go there and see what's there. Very much. You you mentioned um, another adventure that comes that could come before this. Is that right? Is it you to say it's a, a downloadable adventure that? Yeah, um, there's a free adventure on drive through called the Triton Incident. Um, it's an introductory elevation at scenario. It is. Uh, it talks a little bit about the background. If it's something where you're interested in learning more about it, but you don't want to you know, drop the money on it yet. Uh, like I said, it's free to anybody. It's very um, good. <laughs> it is very good. Thank you. Uh, and that's just it. And it does tie in. To, in, that, in fact, actually, it very much ties into the scenarios or can tie into the scenarios that are in the main Elevation book. Um, it's also something where, like I said, you could easily adapt it to any campaign you know it doesn't have to necessarily take place in the elevation it's just like i said a murder mystery on a on a, star, um, yeah. a space station so you can easily pull that into whatever campaign you want um as something as a one-off scenario or the start to something else yeah and what about the future then mike what what's coming out is there, I know destined is an um in yeah. the future <laughs> yes Slow, slowly but surely, Destiny is coming together. So it, yeah. as I think Law said before, you know, I think we're still aiming for probably the beginning of the new year yeah. for that. Um, and as far as elevation, um, I have talked to Clarence about this. Uh, there's no firm plans, but I can say that I've written some things. Um, one of my favorite parts of the book, personally, was there's a thing called Small Jobs. Yeah in the second scenario where it's basically, like I said, you know, you have the option of just going out and doing these little mini scenarios within the main adventure to earn money uh, to get the ship part that you need. Yeah. And my idea was 
that we would have a book of just one-off scenarios. Um, some maybe even taking from the scenario generator. Um, I have a list of scenarios. I've started writing a few of them. Um, my personal favorite is right now is a trying to prevent an assassination while you're free falling down a, a space elevator from orbit. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so that, that's the one I've been writing the most of, but I have a friend, a good friend, Bill, who helped a lot with this book. Um, he's writing a couple scenarios. Um, just kind of, and like I said, they're, they're all, there's no overarching narrative. Um, it's not really a campaign, but to me, you know, I think that's, the whole point of elevation is that you know the F, there is an overall goal to try to help the organization and get it back on its feet to where it once was but you know, that the fun part about that is all the things that happen in between yeah you know the little weird things that you encounter the strange characters the mining colonies in peril and you know strange sects of you know alien cultures that yeah. are having strange behaviors and weird things going on um all the fun stuff that you can encounter just by going out in the galaxy and seeing what's there. I, I love that idea of uh, small jobs, those um, little scenarios, because they're, they're so easy to slip in to mm -hmm. campaigns, you know, either in between main adventures or as subplots within one. So I definitely will be looking out for oh. that. Thank you. And, and to me, it's it's the things we didn't really get to touch on that much in the book. You know, the other circles, like what yeah. about the pirates? What about the uh, Table of Avalon? You know, all these other groups that we mention and we talk about in the book a little bit, but they weren't the focus of the adventures. So, you know, we have adventures about them or exploring the different alien species, you know, in ways um you know with the other one that i had was you know the the guitar the the you know kind of very aggressive species you know yeah. what happens when you encounter one that maybe needs your help right, you know, that's fantastic it, how can that change your relationship with them or just with that individual so you know it, it's about that that the goal was to kind of just further expand on the setting um give some other jumping off points, give some things that could be a, a fun, you know, three or four session adventure or something that could, you, you could expand and build into a campaign all its own. Mm -hmm. It's, it's absolute. It, it really is a fantastic starting adventure uh, as well as the free one. And anybody who's interested in starting their own M space um, campaign it's something that I would strongly recommend. Do you have your final sales pitch for anybody who's like on the on the fence about it at the moment? What would you say to them? I'd say if you like exploration science fiction, if you're interested in a setting that's kind of very free form, uh, very sandboxy that you can do what you will. And if you have that kind of group that a lot of us like, you know, the the lovable losers who are barely scraping by. And I think how many traveler campaigns, how many science fiction campaigns, I think of shows like Firefly, you know, oh, yeah. where, you know, that was definitely an influence on this too, is the idea of this, you know, ragtag group of, of people who are just trying to survive day to day, you know, out in the galaxy and, you know, getting embroiled in things that are probably larger than them, but they still manage to find a way through, you know, that that's, the, that's the goal of this is just that kind of campaign where you're just, 
always on the edge, but always finding something new and fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And as always, I always get inspired to go out and I already have the book, but to especially those 50 adventure hooks, I think they're they're just wonderful. So thank you for coming along and talking with us. Thank today. you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for a wonderful discussion. And if you fancy checking out both the introductory adventure and Elevate, then you can buy them via the drivethroughrpg.com website. Links are in the show notes. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas on World Anvil. I really appreciate your support, so do check out the Tapper Talk forums and the Discord. There are some great people there sharing their ideas within the discussions. So, until next time, have a great month of gaming, and I will chat to you all in the new year in January. I would like to take this opportunity to wish you all a great Christmas with lots of design mechanism purchases waiting for you under the tree. Until January, I hope that all your pose will succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. Happy Christmas. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. So please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.